Yo and hello, it is me, just call me T. Marie, and this is yet another episode of the Come Up Culture Podcast. How are you? What is going on? Two weeks into the new year, how is your goals going? How are your resolutions? Are you still on the wagon? Are you off the wagon? What is happening? Check in. Let me know how it's going. I mean, I fucked up a, a 82 day streak. I want to say last week, and I'm very upset with myself. I'm very, I'm very disappointed with myself because I was doing so good. I wanted to get to 90 days. I gave myself 90 days to do one thing every day for 90 days, and I fucked up on 82. And it really just brought my whole morale and my whole energy and my whole everything down. And I gotta stop that shit. I got to stop letting one thing throw off everything. Like I don't, I'm an empath. So I feel way too deeply about shit and I need to stop doing that because I need to process my feelings. I need to accept my feelings for what they are and just process them instead of always trying to do something about them. And with that said, I'm going to hit the feelings wheel and do my check-in. Um, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. I oh, know that's not the real one. That's not the original. Where's the original? Yes, here goes the original wheel. So I'm going to look at angry first. I feel a little let down, a little betrayed, a little resentful. I feel a little humiliated, a little disrespected, a little ridiculed. And this is, I'm not going to deep dive. I'm just saying how I'm feeling. Um, A little mad, a little furious, a little jelly, uh, a little jealous, um, a little frustrated, a little infuriated, um, annoyed, a lot of the angry feelings. I'm feeling a lot of the angry feelings, critical, very skeptical, very dismissive. Um, um, you know, because I have all of these feelings of my own, I'm really not trying to hear about nobody else's feelings. I'm really in a state of, I don't give a fuck right now. And I, I don't know. I just, I'm, I, I, it is what it is. I'm not going to explain. I'm not going to overindulge. I just feel it. It is what it is. I feel it. I feel it. And it's for me to deal with. Um, let's see. Disgusted. I don't feel disapproving. I don't feel disappointed. No, I feel a little disappointed. Um, I don't feel awful. I don't feel repelled. Um, sad. Let's see. I'm a little hurt, a little embarrassed, a little disappointed. Um, uh, what else? What else? What else? Let me see. Happy. I'm not really feeling any of the happy feelings. Um, let's see. Surprised. I'm a little confused, a little perplexed. Um, it's just this thought of, I just have these thoughts of, you know, being in the middle of choosing, following my, following my head and following my gut. Because my head is coming to me with things that happened in the past, recounts of how things went, you know, in situations similar uh, my head is is sending me signals of saying like this seems very familiar to that and blah blah blah, but my gut is telling me different. 
And my gut is not necessarily going against my head, but it's not really in line with my head either. And so I'm feeling like in the spirit of wanting to be intentional, I'm really dealing with these two opposite and conflicting thoughts and feelings. And it could be because I haven't really been sleeping like that. Like I've been having, not really having issues sleeping, but like I'm, I'm sleeping weird, but then I'm also having like very vivid and weird dreams. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's just, again, perplexed is the perfect word for what it is I'm feeling right now because I just really and truly don't know. Um, let me see. Any of the bad feelings? stressed maybe out of control yeah I'm feeling I'm feeling like things are a little out of my control and I'm trying to be okay with not being okay with that because nobody likes to just like give up control like unless you're just like super reckless or you're just like in a state of like you know YOLO for real for real and you just you know Jesus take the wheel type you know feeling of of out of control then hey by all means do you but when I feel like things are out of control I don't I don't I don't bode very well with that so I'm learning to deal with it and accepting you know accepting the things that cannot change having the courage to things that change the things I can and having the wisdom to know the difference I know they say that's supposed to be like an AA mantra but it really does work for just about everything else um what else what else what else yes I don't feel any of the bad feelings fearful um a little anxious, overwhelmed, worried, um, a little threatened, um, feeling nervous and feeling exposed. So, yeah, it's been a very, you know, mixture of all the feelings. And I hope that, you know, by next episode, I can either understand where these feelings are coming from or they'll just, you know, have passed. And, you know, there'll be a thing of the past by the time I talk to y'all again. But, you know, with that being said, we're going to move on to what had happened was. Um, Let's see. Let's see. Let's see what happened. What happened? Um, I saw it. I saw it. I saw it. I saw it. Yes. So as of January 4th, um, there was a record 4.5 million Americans who quit their jobs back in November. 4.5 million Americans voluntarily left their jobs, according to the um, Bureau of Labor Statistics that pushed the uh, quit rate to 3%, which matched the high from September. Um, workers were most likely to quit their jobs in the hospitality industry, which had by far the highest quit rate of a 6.1%, as well as those in healthcare. The numbers in transportation, warehousing, and utilities have also increased. And so the big question for 2022 is whether this dynamic will persist. So it's really, really interesting to hear that, you know, they will admittedly report that all of these people are, are quitting their jobs and we have a worker shortage and blah, blah, blah. And I think that's why it was very important for me to sit with this week's guest because, the media will have you believe that there's a worker shortage that, you know, people are having issues filling positions to, to a lot of these jobs. 
But in all actuality, if you ask people on the back end, it's really because people are one, knowing their worth, knowing their value, and honoring that worth and that value. And two, also because a lot of these jobs are being exposed for some of the fuck shit that they're doing to people, especially in the hospitality industry. Like there's no way you can tell a lot of hospitality workers that they're, you know, under underskilled and they don't deserve X amount of dollars an hour and blah, blah, blah. But then they were the only ones who was holding us down majority of the pandemic when we first locked down. And then as soon as things started opening up a little bit, then you go right back to shitting on them. Like they don't get bonuses. They don't get all of the, you know, hoops and hollers and applause that they were once getting and I think that that's very fucked up and so yeah a lot of those hospital workers a lot of those hospitality workers a lot of even some of those warehouse workers they would rather walk away from the money and that is something to be said that these people will walk away from their livelihoods because of these jobs and the requirements and the restrictions and the things that they are being put through And it just really makes my, you know, thoughts about job searching and all of that. Like it puts me even further on the fence. I mean, my feet are swung over one side. I'll tell you that. And you ain't got to guess which side it is. However, it's just one of those things where it's like, do I really want to go back to work? Like, do I really, really want to go back to a job? Like, do I really, really, really want to go back? to working for someone where I got to ask for time off. I got to ask for, you know, am I getting paid for lunch? Am I going to have to be here for, I don't want to go through that. I don't, I just want to be able to show up and say, Hey, you need this. I have that. How can we help each other? That's the type of employment situation I want to get into. I don't want to jump through hoops and tap dance and, you know, pat my head and rub my belly at the same time. Like, I don't want to do those things. Why are they making us do those things still? Like, right now, I'm supposed to be doing my my resume. I got some tips from my guest on my resume about what I need to do to fix. And one of the things that was mentioned to me was my cover letter looks like a template. And I'm like, duh, because it is. And again, like this woman gets paid to, you know, critique people's resumes and cover letters and, you know, helps people as a part of her business. So I respect her being honest with me and letting it be known like, yeah, bitch, we see you. But it's just like, but isn't that what y'all are asking for? Like, how can you make it mandatory that people do these things knowing that some of y'all don't even really care about cover letters? But then get mad that it looks like the template that it is that you forced people to do. Why do that? I just want to be able to work. I just want to do a job and get paid for it. That's it. I don't want to jump through hoops. I don't want to contort and bend and twist and figure out how to fit. And I don't want to do that. I don't. I don't want to do it. And so it it just leaves me to, to really question, like, With all of this, you know, all of these 4.5 million jobs open, why are you making it so hard for people to fill the positions? Like, 
November. We're in January now. I want to know what the numbers are for December as well. So I don't know. I don't know. Um, we're going to see because, I, again, I, the job I want has to be specific. Like for me to jump through hoops and do all of these things, like it better be the pay I want, the type of work I want, the the benefits I want. Like it's got to be perfect. And it's almost like approaching job hunting like dating. And and then that makes me feel bad because it's like maybe I have too high of an expectation. Maybe I need to be more realistic and adjust, you know, um, just adjust my wants and needs. Like, I, I don't know. Again, it's that perplexity of being stuck in my head that's telling me, listen, these jobs are out here. They need people. So they ought to do what you're asking them to do. And then my gut telling me, like, they don't give a fuck about you. These jobs are not going to care. They will look over you any fucking way. Like, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's a lot of, it's a lot of shit that I don't like and I don't want to do. Um, what else had happened? Um, all of these hybrid Rona mashups is getting on my nerves. You got flu Rona, which is the flu and Corona. You got Delta Rona or, or Delta. What is it? It's, it's, it's supposed to be Delta and, and Delta Cron and Delta and Omicron. So you have Delta Cron and you got flu Rona. And people are saying that these two is out here fucking the streets up. And I just, I, I just wish everybody would, you know, just wear your masks, wash your hands. And, you know, I, I can't because COVID is showing up to every event. Like, like, I feel like everybody I know some which way or another is, 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 is getting touched. And it makes me want to be away from everybody. Like, I just want to stay indoors. I don't want to go outside. One is cold. Two flu rona and, and and delta cron is out here like i i just don't want it <sighs> it's just when these when these feelings and thoughts are overwhelming like this i just i gotta sigh i just got a long sigh and just <sighs> i don't know i don't know i got into a little mini argument with a homegirl of mine because i feel like the people who are spreading Delta Rona and flu, I mean, Delta Cron and flu Rona, I think it's all the vaccinated people. Everybody who is catching it, who's unvaccinated, every time you ask them who they was around, it's somebody vaccinated. And I feel like, again, mandating this vaccine, it's not stopping the spread. It's just stopping the, the hospitals from being filled and from and, and people from dying, which is a good thing, yes. But how are you not mandating people to stay six feet apart? I mean, granted, I mean, I say that because I don't want to go back to waiting online for the supermarket. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do I don't, I don't know. Again, I don't know. I just don't want people to get sick, but I don't want to go back to like the super strict lockdown rules either. I don't know. I don't know. And I hate that this is so horrible, but it's just like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Because it's like, like, boom, right? 
situations now is is you know all of these people are leaving their jobs you have longer wait times at certain places even though they're letting everybody into the supermarket you're still online for mad long so you still end up being too close in proximity to other people so it's just like a a never-ending cycle I just want to know what all of this is for. I know I feel like I'm rambling right now, but it's just so many thoughts and feelings at one time and I can't deal. I literally just cannot deal. I can't, I can't deal. I can't, I can't. Because it's like for everything that I want, there's like eight things that I don't want. But anyway, yeah, I mean, I don't know. What else, what else had happened? Let me see. What else had happened before I go? Speaking of the supermarket, uh, Enemins, if you ever bought any of the Enemins uh, treats, um, being in the supermarket, some of you might have noticed that they've covered the little plastic window that shows you what's inside the box. They covered them with pictures. And I feel like that's a problem because now it's like, how am I going to know if that donut you know assortment box how am I gonna know if them donuts in there is ashy and dry if I can't see it like what are you hiding the pictures from and it makes me feel like again with the workers shortage when they had all of those like freight um you know uh freight cargo freight thingies whatever when all of those was like stuck at at sea or they were stuck in the 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 um freight yards because nobody was coming to get them. It makes me feel like they're selling us those old snacks and shit. Cause remember how you know first it was a chicken wing shortage, then it was a a cream cheese shortage, then it was a avocado. Like they were just going on shortages of everything because people they didn't have enough people to bring all of that stuff in. Again, I feel like. This is just another way of them trying to fill their pockets and, and keep perpetuating corporate greed and fucking us, the, the little people over. Because how do you want, how are you just going to put a picture? Snacks need to be in clear packaging, especially when it comes to cakes and pastries. Because I got to be able to see, like, is it ashy? Is it dry? Is it, does it look like it's, it's crumbling? Like bad enough, I don't even be trusting like the snacks in the corner store no more. Because I think like one day I, I felt like I rubbed off the stamp of a, of a expired by date or used by date one time. And that shit freaked me out. And ever since that happened, I be trying to check the fucking snack expiration dates. And sometimes I still don't even trust it. Because there's been a few times that I've gotten you know, like a, a candy bar and it says it doesn't expire for a while. And then when you open that shit, <coughs> that candy bar is ashy than a motherfucker. Like the candy bar be needing cocoa butter. And, you know, there was one time I had got a, a bear claw and that shit had mold. So it's just certain shit that just be making me feel a certain type of way. So now going in the supermarkets and seeing that Enemans done covered the little plastic window with pictures, that just pisses me the fuck off. It just makes me mad. It makes me angry because why, again, capitalism, I feel like, you know, certain things should have seasons. Certain things should not be, you know, forced to be made year round and shit like that because that's how we get to where we at. We get to where we at when niggas got to change expiration dates or got to hide and do manipulative shit to get us to buy things because of our own greed. We want shit all the time, all year round, not realizing that is a stress 
on the company. That is a stress on, you know, the baker, the bakers or the bakeries or whoever it is that's making and manufacturing these shits. That is a stress. Like there's no reason why avocados goes from three to five to 99 cent each to two for four. There's no reason for that. Like there's no reason for that. I feel like we may need to, we done advanced a little too far ahead of the way the world actually works. And it's so funny because we watched the movie, you know, everybody watched Don't Look Up by now, right? You all watched it. So in watching Don't Look Up, it just really makes me feel a way about the world in which we live in. And I hate that. Again, I'm too much of an empath. I feel things way too deeply. And watching Don't Look Up makes me feel like, yeah, we we are we doing the most to not even know what the fuck is going to happen. You know what I mean? Like we could do all of this shit to, you know, advance technology and, 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 you know, we fuck around and develop teleportation and still get wiped out by a fucking floating space rock that just happens to hit and annihilates everything. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, why am I rambling like this? (laughs) Why am I rambling? It's late. It's late. It's late. But no, I just really say all of that to say, like, stressing over this job situation, stressing over this, you know, uh, employment situation, all of this can end whenever. And I just don't think that we got to keep, we, we, we have advanced so far in technology and in the way that we do things that we shouldn't still be holding on to like these old antiquated ways of going about stuff. Job searching and job, shun- and job searching and job hunting should not be this difficult. Businesses should know better than to not take care of their employees. Like we are just not in a position to do that anymore because it is not conducive to anyone involved that's what all my ranting is meant to say is that all of this is so unnecessary like 4.5 million americans left their jobs for i mean granted that is a small percentage just in you know the grand scale how many people are in america that's what i need to look up what's the american population not by race. Okay. So there are 329.5 million people in the U.S. alone. And that's as of 2020. And 4.5 million of those people left their jobs. So that's not even a dent in the overall population. And I think that's another thing, too, is why why they make it sound so steep. So the unemployment rate as of August 2021 was 5.2%. So let me see, 5.2% of 329.5 million. Let me see. Let me let me do the maths. Uh why can't I find my calculator? Okay, 329.5. That is 17.1 million people were unemployed as of August. That's total. And four point something million of them happened in the month of November. And that's when they made the mandate 
Yeah, November is when they made the mandate if, if you're not fully vaccinated um, by the first date that you could lose your job. And then they did the final date, which was a month later. So, yeah, I think the first one was November 27th. And then, the, yes, I want to know how many people, how many uh, people left their jobs, how many people left their jobs, how many Americans, not how many people. Americans left their left their jobs. Yes, the employment situation, the Bureau of Labor. All right. Unemployment rates as of December twenty first was like four uh, percent. December of twenty one was four percent. I need actual figures and numbers. I don't want to read charts. Um, household survey. In December, the number of unemployed persons decreased by 483,000 to 6.3 million. But no, that's not what I want to see. All right. CNN gave one number. And then now they want to give me facts and figures, and I don't want to do that. I like clear numbers. Stop giving me all of these shits. Oh, well, mining import, mining employment rose by seven thousand in December. Seven thousand miners, really? Okay, 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 okay. Is it? Unemployment uh, status of the civilian population seasonally adjusted. Uh, okay, yeah, I don't like this. Total. Yeah, this chart is too little bit. Yeah, they're not gonna be. They're not gonna be forthcoming. I just. Uh, when are we gonna get word? Instead of fucking going to space, can we develop? The search engine that's going to give me the exact answer to the question I asked. Like, I don't want to have to read through shit anymore. Give like Kind of like how you ask Siri shit and she tells you. Like, I, I want somebody to invent the, yeah, I just ask the question and it gives me the exact answer. Like, I don't want to have to read through your charts and your studies and your bibliographies and your, you know, all. I don't want to have to read through all of that. Because the way that this fucking chart is set up. It's fucking hella confusing. I I can't readily find the information that I want. So yeah. I, I want I'm interested to know. At four point five million did it in November alone and the total was seventeen point one. I wanna know how much was in December. Because that second vaccine mandate, I don't know. And and some of those boosters, like some people they were down to do the first two doses and then once their job started saying oh now you need your booster to say now people were like nah fuck out of here so i don't know i don't know this is it's a wild world we living in right now and it's like as much as we're trying to make it you know seem and feel like the new normal things just keep changing what i don't know what again this is why i i don't know what the work 
the workforce is going to look like in the next couple of years. And so I sat down with my guest this week and we kind of hashed some of those things out. Like, you know, what have we learned over the past? What we can look forward to in the future and what we need to do to prepare right now. So, you know, we're going to take a break and I'm going to try to like regain my thoughts and we're going to get into this episode. Okay. All right. We're going to take a break. So I know you said you're a, a recruiter, correct? Mm-hmm. And I'm a, I'm a recruitment entrepreneur. So I definitely oh. could talk about that. Personal development is, it's, it's a huge thing for me too. So I feel like those are the two parts that I would be the best to talk about because mental health, I, it's important to me, mm-hmm. but I know that there are a lot of people who have a lot more to say about it than I do, to be honest. So, well, even in like, when I say mental health, not necessarily coming from a place of like, you know, being a mental health professional, but just like, how do you maintain your mental health in all that you do? Like you are yeah. essentially putting, or people are essentially putting their careers and their futures, like in your hands to get them yeah. from point A to point B, like, does that take a toll on you? So before I get before I get into all of that, um, usually I Fair. go through the um, the introduction. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you again for setting the time aside to sit with me. Um, if you would like to tell my listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, and um, kind of how you got into it, and we can start there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It was great to meet you and. I'm excited to be a part of your podcast. So my name is Grace Marlin. I am a recruitment entrepreneur. I am a multifaceted individual, so I'm definitely a recruiter, but I'm very interested in personal development. I love to read. I'm constantly trying to invest in myself and figure out different ways that I can make money and achieve success because those are the things that are the most important to me. So I'm a recruitment entrepreneur primarily, but I also have other business interests and I'm actually in the works of launching a new business right now. So it's definitely a lot to take on at any given time, but it's it's a fun journey. I love this. I, I really love what I do and I'm excited to have a chance to chat about it with you. Thank you. I mean, how did you kind of like get into it? Like I know recruitment is it's such a broad, you know, spectrum because you can do it for any number of industries, any number of companies. How did you kind of fall or or come into figuring out that's what you wanted to do yeah so when I got out of college I actually went into corporate consulting I did healthcare finance consulting for a a little bit over four years and I was good at it but I didn't enjoy it Mm. so I I've actually helps me a lot when I'm talking to my candidates now and they're in a job that they don't enjoy or they're in a career path that doesn't feel like it's fulfilling them because I can really relate to that from a first-hand perspective like it sucks to have to wake up every day and and go into an office and work around people that you don't like and to have to put on a certain type of Mm -hmm. voice and a certain type of face and talk a certain way so that you're accepted. And that's not fun for anybody involved. So I lived that experience for a little bit over four years and I didn't leave because I didn't really know the options that I had. So when it came to becoming a, a recruiter, I love that because I'm able to help people strategize their careers and to really understand the different options that they have available to them. So I think one thing that's kind of misunderstood about the recruitment industry, as you're saying, it's really broad, 
So there are internal recruiters that work directly for companies Mm -hmm. like Facebook or Google, for instance, and they recruit internally for those companies. And then there are external recruiters or recruiting agencies, which is what I'm a part of. And we're more salespeople. So we work with multiple clients, multiple companies, and we help them go out to the market and find the type of candidates that they're looking for. So as a result of not being tied to any one particular company outside of my own, I'm able to really show my candidates the entirety of the market. And I'm always in the market every single day to help them understand what they can negotiate from a salary perspective. If they negotiate more and I negotiate more for them, I get paid more. So our Mm. interests are very aligned. Because I've always, so I've gotten a few of my tech jobs through recruitment agencies. Um, and I've always been under the assumption that like, yeah, they get paid more than what we get paid. But for some reason, I never felt like they negotiate with my best interest at heart. Like there were times okay. where I've gotten put on contracts and it's like, OK, well, I started out here. Now I've been here for X amount of years or I've been here for however long. At one point, like I had went and got my degree while I was on assignment. So I was like, all right, well, now I have this you know, boost, like, let me get a couple extra dollars. And I felt like it was like such a big headache to even, you know, negotiate that. So that's interesting. that That's a thing that you guys get. Well, you're not on contract. So I don't work Mm. with contract only full time for contract. You're correct. Actually, Um, the recruiters get paid more when they pay you less. So it's in your best interest to negotiate against the recruiter in that instance. But if you're working with someone for full-time or permanent direct hire jobs, then they actually make more money when you make more money. So that's like one tiny little like mm. nuance in the industry, but you're right. What you're picking up on was correct. If you were on contract. It, it was. And then it was, and then it was like, they offered me uh, to be able to work full-time, but then they said mm-hmm. that they would have, like they would want 10% of what I made. Like I would have to sign a contract with them saying that I would pay them 10% of my, um, my check for I think he said oh, a year. Oh, that sounds very shady. Or so, that sounds very. Shady. It, it was like I completely cut my con- <laughs> like I can I cut all con- contact with them after that because I just was like because they wanted me to sign the paper first without getting a job and then I was like okay well how about you get me the job first and we see how much I make before I agree to that and then they came back with the counter and saying well okay well if ten percent is too much then we can do like seven or something like that and I just was like that doesn't sound right like why would I pay you weekly out of my or bi-weekly out of my check for doing what you are supposed to do which is get me a job so yeah let's talk about that (laughs) you should never pay a recruiter as a candidate that is not your responsibility that is not the way that the industry works we make money from companies and companies pay us we provide a free service to candidates So the only times that it makes sense to potentially pay a recruiter is I do certain things. Like if I can't represent a candidate because I'm, I work in a very specific market. So if I can't represent someone, I can provide career coaching or consultations. Those are paid service, but that's understand like understood before the engagement even begins. And Mm. there, if they don't want to pay it, then they don't have to. Mm. Um, If people want me to write their resume for them, I will charge them for that. But if I'm actually going to represent them, I won't charge them for that. So like I'm in a specific position because I have a big following on LinkedIn. So I'm an influencer on LinkedIn. So I get a lot of inbound from a lot of different people and they're interested in working together. So I provide like paid services, 
but if I'm representing someone, they should never be paying me. And if I'm getting them a job, like they don't have to pay me and nor should, that's just not the way that the industry works. So they were trying to take advantage. I'm really glad you didn't agree to that because that isn't how it works. And that I also, maybe when we're done recording this, want to know who what that was. I want to steer clear of them. Yeah, we could, de- <laughs> we could definitely talk about it because they, they, they were into some shady business like... Outside mm-hmm. of that, too, I just never picked up on it. It wasn't until then when I was like, wait, now, hold on a minute. Yeah. Like, what is this, going on? I'm not, I don't do this all the time, but this doesn't sound right. 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 Yeah. I am always in awe of how much LinkedIn has changed over the years. So maybe yeah. can you, like, tell me a little bit about that? Like, how you built your brand on LinkedIn, like, given... It was once like the throwaway social media, you know, just make sure you have it so that, you know, employers can't find your party pictures on Facebook. But now (laughs) I log in and it's its whole thing. Like people are going live. People have, you know, groups and and, and they're like they're treating it like it's a fully. Well, I keep saying like like it's a fully functioning social media site, but it has become so much more. Yeah, no, I love LinkedIn. It's my favorite social media platform for a variety of reasons. First of all, I don't like taking pictures. So Instagram <laughs> You're so is not gorgeous. What do you mean? Thank you. But it's just not my favorite thing to do all that. Like I'm I'm much more of a writer. Mm. So LinkedIn works really well for me because it's written content. Like mm. that's the content that gets the furthest reach. And one of the reasons I'm a huge fan of it is because it still has organic reach. So you can mm. actually grow pretty like you can get a lot more views on LinkedIn with content than you would get on other platforms that definitely want you to pay for ads or pay for you to sponsor the algorithm has ruined it oh it's getting there and it's definitely going to get there like that's how uh social media companies make money so it's absolutely going to get there but it's still in an early stage mostly Mm. because like you said it's the it's the throwaway social media. Like nobody, and people have been sleeping on LinkedIn for so many years. I mean, they've been around for, I think since like the nineties or early 2000s. For a while. Like when yeah, I but first, at first, first they were literally just like your resume, mm-hmm. but now mm-hmm. it's turned it's, into like a I'm telling you, it's posts, platform. it's groups, it's lives, it's, it's the whole shebang. And I am always curious like to who uses it. Cause I come across a lot of, like re- like you mentioned you do resume reviews i find all the resume review girls on tiktok i have no idea if they're on linkedin or not but i see a lot of them on tiktok and then like they transition into instagram reels where they're saying like oh stop using these five things on your resume or you know these are words that you you know these are the newest mm-hmm. as what is it AL- als or whatever the scanner thing is these are like, yeah. yeah, these are the newest, you know, buzzwords to get picked up on that. Yeah. And then they'll, you know, advertise their, you know, resume or LinkedIn review services and stuff like that. But that's, that's pretty, pretty, that's pretty dope. I mean, what's kind of like your content, I guess, strategy on LinkedIn? Are you blogging? Are you reviewing? Mm-hmm. So I recruit recruiters and Mm. that's my industry so I recruit recruiters which is the reason why I know how this industry works inside and out and how I know that you shouldn't have had to pay them they were pulling (laughs) some shady shit with you um so I work with recruitment agencies as my clients and then recruiters are my candidates Mm. or salespeople within the staffing space so it's easy for me to be on LinkedIn because that's where all my 
people are, you know, recruiters are on LinkedIn constantly and they're my target audience. So it lends really, really well for me to be there. And really how it started was I just started writing posts. Like I said, it's all text-based. So like you just write, um, put it out there. I write about the content, about the industry, right? So my goal with my LinkedIn presence is to be a subject matter expert for people to understand that I know what I'm talking about for them to understand that they can trust their career. Cause as recruiters, they always think they know best, right? They, they help their candidates all day, every day get jobs. So when it comes to their own career, they want to make sure that they're going to the best if they're actually going to trust someone to do that. Cause mm-hmm. otherwise they could just do it for themselves. So my goal for my LinkedIn presence was really to just build up my subject matter expertise, build up my reputation um, and start hopefully having business come to me instead of me always having to go out and get it. So it started as just writing a couple times a week. I started writing more. I actually had a New Year's resolution in the beginning of 2020 to write every single business day on LinkedIn. And that exponentially changed my life, like really? from a business perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. So writing content every day was just a discipline, like putting myself out there, getting my name out there. And I was constantly like adding people, always relevant contacts. I wasn't interested in just connecting with any and everyone. I wanted to connect with the people in my industry so that when I would get business, it would be relevant for what I'm looking for. So some people, their strategy is just to accept everybody that adds them. Like, I don't do that. <laughs> like so <laughs> I just needed well, people. people. I, yeah, just need, just I just needed a couple of connections. Yeah, you just needed a certain yeah. number of connections at that time. And, you know, I, I kind of just, you know, set it and forget it. But I'm trying to figure out now how I can repurpose it. Because I do have like the dual, you know, interests. I still am very much in into like doing my IT contracting work. But now with media and podcasting and media production, like that's a whole thing, you know, in itself as well. So I'm looking, you know, kind of trying to find where the where the two meet and how I can present that on LinkedIn to where I can possibly get clients for either or whether somebody's hiring me to do tech work or someone's hiring me to do media production. You can definitely do that on LinkedIn, a hundred percent. I think the media production stuff probably would be, because obviously the contracting things, it's just about working with recruiters or if you're working directly with companies, just having them know that that's what you do and that's a service that you offer. But I think from a content perspective, the media company is probably where you would want to create the most content because that's where a lot of people have podcasts on there. A lot of people, it's kind of business, a lot of business to business and you're talking directly mm. to business people. So for finding guests for podcasts, I have gotten multiple podcast requests from LinkedIn. I think at this stage, I've been on like five or six podcasts oh, and nice. almost all of them have been because of my LinkedIn. So you can either, you know, find your own, your guests there, or if you want to be a guest, that's another place that people can find you, but just writing about what you're doing and making people aware that you're in the space is huge because the types of things that people ping me about are oftentimes things I wouldn't even think of. Like they'll bring different types of opportunities to me and say like, Hey, what would you think about collaborating on this? And sometimes it's really cool stuff. So that's the beauty of social media in general. But I think on LinkedIn specifically, if you're looking for like partnering businesses and you want to do media production for them, businesses are just living on LinkedIn in general or you'll find the types of, you know, media managers or whoever you're looking to partner with on the business side, like you'll be able to find those people on LinkedIn. And I think one of the benefits is that they get less 
messages on LinkedIn than they would get on other platforms. Mm. So they may like have a personal page on Instagram. You might not want to slide into their DMs if they don't have a a public page, but you could definitely shoot them a DM on LinkedIn and that's, you know, professional and it doesn't cross any barriers. And it's a good way to just establish a business relationship with people and let them know what you're up to. So I think it's the platform. It, people do sleep on it. And I love that because it helps you stand out, right? Because they're just not as many people creating content. Like sure. when I first started, it was very rare that people created content. So I started before a lot of people did. And then through COVID, a lot of people were sitting at home. A lot of people had lost their jobs. So there were tons of people on, living on LinkedIn mm. just because you know, that's, they were searching for work or they were just sitting at home bored. What am I going to do with all these hours I have in the day? I'm going to scroll Instagram and you get bored of that. So it's like, it's just a different social media platform. And that's when the platform really started evolving to people putting out lives. That's when they started rolling out live was last year. Mm. Um, you know, people kind of putting up more video content and making it more like a typical social media platform versus just like very dull and business oriented and not like that lively now it has a big mix of everything i mean but i hope that you know even with the extension of all of those different um i guess uh utilities i hope it's still like suitable content for work and people are not like taking it overboard because i think that that's a big thing for me too is that i kind of have always been afraid of LinkedIn because I feel like there's a certain level of professionalism you have to have. And, you know, I sometimes want to get away from that. Like when I clock out, I want to clock out, you know what I mean? And having to maintain that, you know, business, uh, persona can seem to be like more work than it's worth but again it's it's trying to find that happy medium in between um is there anything that you would change about the platform or like anything that you would want to see it change into for you know as it would benefit you well I actually want to circle back to what you're saying because I think that authenticity and like bringing your whole self to work is a big movement that's been happening over the past I would say especially over the past year, year and a half, where people are just tired of that, of having to code switch, of Mm -hmm. having to be a totally separate person and to present this persona, like, let's be real, who's actually like that 24 seven. So it is exhausting. And it's also ridiculous. Like, why are we all acting like this when it's just an act, right? So I think part of my strategy has been being really authentic. Like I speak, like I talk, I cuss, Like, I don't care. This is all business content. If my clients are going to work with me, they should understand that this is the way I conduct myself because I'm the same way when I'm on calls with them. I keep it professional. I'm really good at what I do, but I'm not, I can cuss with my clients and and they should be cool with that. And if they want to work with someone who's extremely buttoned up and who's this very specific type of person, I'm not that person. Mm. So for me, especially being an entrepreneur, I feel very empowered to be who I want to be. And that's part of why I want to be an entrepreneur. Why I am one is I don't want to have to be a certain way. And I want to be able to be who I am, obviously within reason, because as long as you're not being offensive to people, like you should be able to be comfortable to be your authentic self. So like I said, I'm in a position of privilege because I do work for myself. So I'm willing to take the consequences if people don't want to work with me because mm. I may be too real for them. I'm, <laughs> I'm aware of that. And I'm okay with that. And my business partner is too. Like we're very much on the same page about how we want to present ourselves to the world. So that's one thing too, is I've noticed that because there is more content that's being created on LinkedIn, as well as society in general, 
like it's such an employee landscape right now. Employees have so much power, which is amazing. And hopefully this trend continues to the future because a lot of people are starting to say like, screw that. Like, I don't want to do that anymore. And it's actually not the worst thing in the world if you do that, right? Because it's like, if you're going to work for a company, you want to make sure that you're aligned with them. Absolutely. So that's something that I talk to my candidates about a lot. Like, if I do have some clients that are a little bit more buttoned up, if I'm working with someone who isn't like that, I will tell them, are you sure this is an environment that you're going to feel comfortable in? And if not, like, let's walk away and we can find something else that's better for you. So LinkedIn has definitely been kind of, I think it's been getting a little bit more casual or a lot more casual. If you'll notice like a lot of content for, I write, like I put myself out there, like I while out on LinkedIn for sure. <laughs> and people like laugh about it. They're like, wow, this is kind of crazy that you're posting this on LinkedIn. But I'm like, you know what? I'd like to speak the truth about the industry. And there's like a lot of shit that goes down. That's cool. And there is a lot that doesn't. So I want to, I want to feel free to have people know that that's like, they're going to get the real deal with me. It's not this corporate speak. It's not covering for people who are messing up. Like if people are messing up, I'm going to call it out and and they'll call me out too, if I'm messing up. So it's like, we have that kind of like reciprocity. So that's something that if you're connected with the right people, and if you're like looking to work with the right types of companies, that's something that you can, you do as an entrepreneur Mm. is like, be real, right? And if someone wants you to be a very specific way, if you can afford to walk away from the business, then that's an amazing place to be in. And that's one of the benefits of having your own company. I mean, how, how do you go about, I guess, building your relationships to keep people employed? Because you've been in business for how many years now? Four. Okay, congratulations. So yeah, like four Thank years, you. like, you know, they say most, you know, most small businesses fail in the first five and here you are thriving. Like, what are some of your, your tips and tricks on that? I mean, it's not easy. <laughs> I won't, I won't even lie about that. Like it took a big mindset shift for me going mm. from being employed. I was making okay money. I was never happy with the money I was making. Cause I don't like working on a salary. I like to have my work be, uh, my pay be reflective of my performance. And I never felt that that was the case when I was on a salary because I always wanted to outperform and I didn't pay anymore to do that. So that was frustrating. So for me, being in a commission environment, which is essentially what I am now, it's like if I, if I do well, if I, make, if I do deals, then I make more money. If I slack off, then I don't make any money. So it's like, for me, it works really well with my personality to, to do that because I know that I can count on myself to perform. Mm. And I, it pushes me to be like, to find new levels, right? So it's not for everybody. There are a lot of people who want that stability. You know, I pay for my own benefits. I pay, I cover a lot of expenses that people's companies cover and they don't think about it, right? So when you're on your own, you have to pay for all that stuff out of pocket. So it does get very expensive, but I love the freedom and the flexibility. Like my two most important things in life are freedom and money. And I think the two go hand in hand, right? Cause money gives you freedom. You can have choices with money. So for me, I know I need to be in something that can make me as much money as possible. I'm not ashamed of being extremely money motivated, but that I also want it to be on my own terms. I don't want to have to, you know, sell myself out to get a little bag. Like that's just not interesting. So it's fit me really, really well. And there've been some very tough times in the business. Like COVID was definitely a tough time in the business. Like one of the things that you talked about earlier is, you know, kind of, dealing with everyone and the issues that they are having in their career 
requires me to be their therapist and their shoulder to cry on and, you know, someone to complain about what's going on in their situation. And that's all information that helps me to do my job better, but it can get heavy, right? Especially in, in COVID when people were just getting laid off left and right. Mm. And every single call that I would have, you know, I couldn't do anything for them. None of my clients were really hiring. Everyone was like, we don't even know what's going on. Like we can't hire anybody right now. We're just trying to like survive and hold on to our staff and make it through. So I was taking a lot of calls with people who were desperate. You know, they were running out of money. They had lost their job. The bills are piling up. Some people were really mm-hmm. sick with COVID. Nobody knew what was happening. There's a lot of fear in the world. And it was a shitty time. I'm not even going to lie. Like it was really, really tough. Um, and I had multiple deals that were in the works that ended up dropping out. Like everything just mm. fell apart. So it's like all the money that I thought I was going to be making that just disappeared. So that was very stressful. And especially being an entrepreneur, because I don't have a salary. Um, that was definitely a dark time. And it really made me test my commitment to myself and to the business. Cause I was like, this could be an easy time to just close it all up. And mm-hmm. just leave. Um, but instead I was like, you know what, I'm going to figure out a way to make this work. So I did. And I found like a few different clients that I had were like, Hey, we've been preparing for something like this to happen. We're going to take, we have a lot of cash. We've been waiting for this. We're going to start investing heavily in the market so we can take as much market share as possible. And we're going to take the people who've been laid off, you know, their companies couldn't afford them. We'll probably get them at a discount, which isn't great, but that's how business works. And we're going to like bring them in and we're going to start building up our market share and try to like take advantage of all the other companies that are like pulling back right now. Mm. So I had a couple of clients that were like that. And I was able to do deals with them and they were really high level deals because, you know, they were ready to actually invest in people. So I ended up having like my best year ever last year. And it was because I had to find those opportunities. And mind you, there were other people that I was working with who were like, not looking for those opportunities and instead focusing on all the negative things in the world. But for me, I was just like, I'm not trying to do that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to be too easy to do, do that. that. Like why, why it, do what everyone else fun. was doing? Yeah. Like it, it's not fun. I would rather like at least bust my ass as much as possible and try to make things work. And if it doesn't work, then at least I'll be busy. So I'm not just sitting there like feeling hopeless. Um, so it worked. It ended up working. And that's what, you know, ended up me having a great year last year. And this year was also, has also been a really good year. So I think that's where the mindset and kind of mental health stuff comes in place. Cause it, it was difficult to have those conversations all the time. And even like dealing with my coworkers at the time, you know, who were in kind of a not great situation or different mindset, right. They were like a little bit more depressed, I would mm, say. Yeah. Um, and, and that rubs off on me too. So I had to like kind of start putting up barriers and protecting myself from that because I can only take so much before I start to feel that way too. So it's tough. I mean, managing yourself is not easy, especially as an entrepreneur, because, you know, there aren't, you can't ask someone permission to do this, this or this, like you have to have all the answers. That's your job. Um, and sometimes it'd be nice to to push it off on someone else but mm. when there's no one else to do that then you yeah. do what you gotta do yeah that good old accountability but no I mean you mentioned that a lot of these businesses was capitalizing on you know not paying people at the highest amount like 
how do you feel about like this so-called, you know, worker shortage and how, you know, the vaccine mandates are forcing people to like, you know, quit their jobs and, you know, companies are not enticing people enough to come in with all of these new stipulations. Like you want people to get vaccines, you don't want to pay them. And then you're having people being short, like you're already short staffed and like adding extra work onto people's job descriptions. Like how do, how, how do you feel about that? Or what do you, you know, tell your clients about things like that yeah well I think that that time of them being able to take advantage of you know getting people at a discount that was very very short-lived and that was only like summer 2020 right and then like once things started kind of getting not better but I guess people just started getting used to it more and and just understanding like life and business has to go on we can't be on pause forever so we got to make moves. we got to figure this out. We got to let people work remote. If, if people were still were like trying to force people to come to the office, like you're going to lose people that way. So companies are slow to recognize that the tide has turned and that their power is not in their hands anymore. But I think that they're starting to realize it primarily because they're just not hiring people or mm. they're losing people left and right. Because there's a worker shortage, but there's also way more job openings than there are people who want to take them. Mm. So the companies that aren't hiring have to, at some point, just from a business perspective, look in the mirror and figure out why am I not attractive to candidates? And like, is it that I'm taking too long to interview them? Am I not, you know, being decisive? Or am I offering, trying to lowball them and hope that they'll take it? So as a recruiter, my job is to make sure that I manage my clients' expectations 24-7. So like, I haven't had to deal too much with vaccine mandates, primarily because people can work remote. Mm, so that is, hasn't, re- yeah, that hasn't really been an issue that I've had to navigate. Thankfully, I know a lot of recruiters have, but I haven't had to navigate that. But in terms of pay and, and kind of understanding that they need to make themselves more attractive, that's a conversation that I have really regularly. Like I literally had a situation today with a client who was going to up, he told me that they were going to lowball this candidate. And I said, I'm not even going to deliver the offer because it's insulting. Mm. So instead, let's just walk away from the table. If you can't pay this person, like we're cutting ties and I'm over, like, I'm not going to spend any more time trying to get you anyone else. So Mm. that's a conversation that I have with them very frequently. Like if you're going to say that you can pay people, do it. If you can't, then we won't work together because it's not worth my time to invest into somebody who I'm not going to close a deal with them. It's just a waste of my time. So recruiters should feel empowered to have those conversations with their clients. I know a lot of, I am very straight up with people. A lot of people aren't necessarily with their clients. Um, but I, I think it's one of those things where they're just going to have to realize at some point it's, they're not yeah. going to be able to get people. Yeah. So it's like at a certain point it's like what is the definition of insanity doing the same thing over again and expecting different results like it's gonna happen eventually that they either change their hiring plans and recognize that they're not attractive or they start making themselves more attractive yeah I mean they they leave themselves really no choice and and I just think it's absurd though like a part of me, I feel like with a lot of these, especially the bigger companies, like the ones who have the budget, like why they have a lot of money. It's like, what are you do? Like, what are you doing? Like, I, it doesn't yeah. even make sense. Some of the things that they try to do to their employees is like absolutely ridiculous. And it's just like, how do they get away with that? Like, where, who do they answer to? 
I mean, the thing that they're going to answer to at this point is the open market, that employees have a lot of options. So especially if you're actively employed, that's when you have the most options on the market right now. So if companies are going to try to act like we're this big brand, we sh- people should feel grateful to work here. Like that is just not reality anymore. So I know they don't want to believe it because it's not in their best interest to do so, but that's the only way that it's going to work. And that's why I always tell people if they're unhappy right now in their work and they're at a job that's dead end or something that they hate, like take advantage of this current situation because it most likely won't always be this way. So this is one of the hottest job markets that any recruiter, I talk to recruiters literally all day long. Everyone says exactly the same thing. This is one of the hottest job markets that they've ever seen. Even people who've been recruiting for 20 years have never seen it this good for Mm. candidates. So if you're not happy and you don't feel like you're being valued, you don't feel like you're being paid correctly, your boss is an asshole, like leave, like you have options and it's, that's, it's a beautiful thing. So companies are, there are companies that are doing it right. Like outside of these companies that are stuck in in the dark ages, like they're companies that are doing it right. And they are paying people well. They're recognizing the different things that people want outside of, you know, pay is like they want better benefits. They want more vacation time. Mm-hmm. They want to be treated correctly. PTO. Like they want to have, yeah, PTO. <laughs> Sometimes they'll do like intensive trips, like for top producers. Like there's a lot of different things that they can do to make themselves attractive to people. And you know, stop paying at the bottom of the market. Why don't you start paying at the middle or the top of the market? If people ask for X amount, why don't you give them $5,000 more? It's not that much money for these companies. So there are companies that are doing it right. And I talk to them pretty frequently. I only want to work with those types of companies. Um, So there are some people that are taking advantage of the fact that these huge companies don't want to do it, right? They're not doing things right. So like there's a lot of smaller companies that are doing things right or even mid-sized firms that are taking advantage of the market and they're being able to hire people. So that's what I have to say to people who are unhappy because I know that, you know, I was in that place for many years and I should have left sooner and I didn't do it. But for the people who are in that situation, like take advantage of this present moment. Like there's an opportunity that's available right now that may not be available in the next six months to one year. Like we don't know how long this is going to last. So it's very much a time bound thing. Well, I think that that's great advice. How do you recommend people go about, you know, the new job search if if they're employed or if they aren't employed? Like, I know the days of, you know, again, having to battle against the algorithms and the ATS systems and all of that. Like, how are some ways to kind of speed up that process if there are any? Well, directly applying is one way of getting in front of you know, hiring managers or HR, but there are a lot of different ways to do it. So if you want to work with a recruiter, the biggest advice that I have is find a recruiter who works in your industry Mm. because recruiters are specialized. So if you want to work in customer service, there are recruiters who specialize in that. If you want to work in tech, there are recruiters who specialize in that. And even within tech, like if you're an engineer, you're probably going to work with a different recruiter than if you're um, like an ops manager, right? So like within your function, Like there will be recruiters who specialize in what you do. So reach out to people who are relevant 
in that space. I get a lot of reach outs on LinkedIn from people who are completely outside of my industry and I can't, I can't do anything for them. Oh, what so industry it's always are you in to, if you don't mind me asking? I recruit only recruiters. Oh, right, so right, right, right. It's a very, yeah, it's very, very specific. So most recruiters should have on their profile, like who they recruit. Um, and you can even Google like, you know, operations recruiters or, oh. you know, and you can kind of look through their LinkedIn of like the different, cause they'll usually write job posts about like, oh, I'm looking for this type of person. You can kind of see what types of roles they work on and you can okay. reach out to them. That's one way of getting in. Um, you can also, if you have a company that's, that you're dying to work for, um, you can directly DM the hiring manager. So you can kind of figure out who they are. Usually like open up the company on LinkedIn. You can look at all their employees and you can kind of see like the organization chart and you can message that person directly and say, Hey, I'm in this space. Like I came across your profile. I've always wanted to work for this company. This is what I have to offer. I would love to set up a time to talk to you about openings that you might have on your team. That's one way to bypass the ATS. Cause the thing is sometimes the ATS can be a black hole and you just don't hear anything back. So yeah. I always advocate for people to try to figure out creative ways to get in front of hiring managers because that's the only way to stand out. Like they're not getting those messages from candidates. Candidates are sending in, you know, applications and just hoping for the best. Like you can send that application in and then hit up the manager directly and say, Hey, I I applied directly, but I just wanted to let you know that I applied would love to have a conversation with you about openings on your team or something like that. Like that level of proactive proactivity. Like I, love when people do that to me when they make my job easy um and it makes me want to talk to them and help them versus you know people just complaining about not getting results i'm always like trying to look for different ways to get in and there are a lot of them so that's probably the biggest advice that i would have um in terms of like resume review i think a lot of people make the mistake of not having their resume completely up to date so making sure that they have all the essential projects that they've been involved in or different like achievements that they've gotten from their different roles and highlight those versus, you know, putting a long list of responsible for like everything under the sun. Like it's more important to just have the specific accomplishments or achievements from each role. Um, and don't pay recruiters. If a recruiter is asking you to <laughs> pay them. Absolutely not. Yeah. If a recruiter is asking you to pay them to represent you, that is a scam. So I can't, I, I, to this day, I just can't even get over it. Like the fact it's crazy. And if their client knew, like if the company knew that they were doing that, that is, that, that is so unethical. Like and, it would and be- that's the thing is that they make you sign paperwork saying that you will not reach out to the company outside of them and that you will not, you know what I mean? Like have those conversations or else, you know, Very they'll shady. hold you in contempt or whatever to be able, or you'll have grounds to be sued or whatever. And it's just like, it just, it just felt wrong. And because they were like a out of, com- like out of, I guess international uh, company I know Mm -hmm. they probably take advantage of a lot of the you know visa holders and the people who they get to come over here and so it's like okay that's fucked up you know you offer this opportunity yes but to take advantage and start charging people like that's horrible yes I've heard a lot about that of like especially the visa holders like you're saying because they're in a very like they're in a much trickier situation than if you're a citizen because you have a lot more options. But for them, they just don't understand how it works over here. And they wouldn't know that that's illegal. Right. Or that that's, 
they're so grateful for the position that they don't care what you tell them to pay. Like they're going to pay it because they just want to work at that company. They just want to work that job. But no, I mean, I had a question. It was based on something that you had said when you were talking about, um, you mentioned LinkedIn. Damn, I had a brain fart. (laughs) No. And it was a really good question too, because I asked you what your, particular niche was you said you recruit recruiters and then you mentioned was it talking about finding a recruiter who specializes in what you want to do um no it wasn't that damn damn it wasn't that but either anyway either either or I mean I feel like you've given so many great tips like especially for people who you know are looking for jobs because again everybody can't be an entrepreneur as much as you know it looks glamorous it looks amazing you know you you hear people talk about I mean it is when you get to have brunch on a Wednesday for no reason and everybody else (laughs) is at a desk like yeah. Like I, I, I don't miss working in an office, but I do remember the days when, you know, I went from having to sneak to do my podcast and do my lives to now I can do it whenever I want. And so, you yeah. know, I just feel like a lot of emphasis gets put on entrepreneurship, but yet there is so much going on in like the corporate space and in like the workspace that it's, it, everybody can't leave. You know what I mean? So I think it is yeah, dope it, what you're doing. Everyone's- ready to be or not everyone wants to be an entrepreneur not everyone's ready to do that like Mm. my life circumstances were okay like I had some money in the bank not that much but I was I was living really cheaply I don't have kids so for me I just had to worry about myself and I ended up like working bottle service on the weekends when I first started to you know make some cash like I had I was able to make it work financially so it worked out, but if I would have been in any different circumstance, like it probably wouldn't have worked out. So mm. it's not for everybody. And I, some days I think about that too. I'm like, it would be kind of nice to just have a paycheck. But then when I think about all the things I would give up, I'm, I'm not interested in doing that. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. But no, I, I, we mentioned in the beginning, you know, we met um, at a networking event. Um, I, I don't, I remember asking you, I think the day of, but what was like your interest with being there to, you know, hear John Henry speak? Like, was it something that he said that you were interested in or were you kind of just checking it out? I've been following his content for a while now, I think probably one to two years and my, like not super closely Mm. but I definitely have like known about him and kept an eye on what he's been up to and my friend actually sent me that event she was like hey you should go to this it's not that far from where I live so I figured I want to check it out because this year I've been all about networking as much as I can in person and like trying to meet new people I've only been in New York for two years the first year that I moved here was COVID year so this is you so you moved your business from where did you move from I was, well, I'm from Oakland originally. Okay, so Cali I'm from girl. California. Yeah. And then I was living in Maryland before oh. I moved here. Okay. So, yeah. Wow. How was the, how was the DMV life? Cause I've been down there a few times, but I've only ever been to like, what was it? Silver Springs, Upper Marlboro and Greenbelt. Yeah. I was, I was like, 
20 minutes north of Silver Springs. Oh, okay. So still kind of like DMV area. I didn't like it that much. <laughs> um, I definitely like New York a lot more. But it's it's just a different vibe. It's like mm. suburbs, you know? So I moved there because one of the business partners was there um, with his family, which is much more like a family-oriented <laughs> place. Um, so I moved there primarily to just work with him, but it wasn't where I wanted to be. So I'm so much happier to be in New York City because I love it here. That's so dope. Your business is fully remote or do you ever have to like see people in person? We, my partner and I, we work in an office in Midtown and we go there pretty much every day because it's just the two of us. Okay. Um, but it's optional, obviously, if I don't want to, I just like to get out of the house. Makes sense. Makes sense. I mean, what do you get into since you've been in New York? Where have you been? Where do you want to go? Well, I haven't done as much exploring as I want to because I do work quite a lot. Oh. Um, but I've I've been, let's see, what are like some of the top areas? Like I'm not a big touristy person, so I haven't been to a lot of the touristy sites, but okay. I'm pretty close to Madison Square Park. I love going there. Oh. Um my office is close to Madison Square Garden, so I haven't actually gone to any shows or sports games. Not or a game, like that. not a nothing. Not yet. Okay. Not yet, okay. But I will be going. Okay. But I just like to walk. I literally just start walking the streets in Manhattan, and I'm like exploring really? and like yeah, trying different food. Like mm. it's, it's fun. I've been having fun with it. Well, welcome to New York. You know, I'm, it's, isn't it like such a like culture shock for you guys like I had traveled to New York a lot before I came here so mm. I was always like here for work a lot of my clients are here so I was traveling here a lot like I've always felt like I was way too like in your face for California mm. and I feel like I've 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 found my people here like mm. we we speak the same language so I love New York I know a lot of people don't like it though I, a lot of people I talk to are like I don't know how you could live there I had a friend move here from Baltimore and she did, I think like a year here and was like, I can't, she was like the train, Aww. the train commute home from work alone was too much for her. She's like, listen, I done been at wow. work all day. I'm tired. I don't <laughs> want people breathing on me. I don't want to have to fight to get on the train to go home. I'm over it. <laughs> But no, I don't want to, you know, hold you too long. Again, I thank you so, so much. If there's anything you want to plug, your LinkedIn, if you have a website, anywhere that people can reach you, feel free to do it now. So they can get in contact and get these jobs. <laughs> Absolutely. So my LinkedIn is just my first and last name. That's Grace Marlin. So is my Instagram. So is my Twitter. On Instagram and Twitter, it's Grace Marlin underscore. And that's it. Thank you again, Grace. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna add you on LinkedIn because yeah, I feel like I could use your expertise in that area to kind of get it together. Cause Lord knows I need the help. I got you. But again, I got you. thank you, thank you, thank you, <laughs> and we'll talk again soon. Sounds good. Thank you so much. It was okay. a great time. Bye-bye. Bye bye.